hear the voice. Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry Podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Hey everyone and welcome to Revival Cry. This is your host, Eric Miller. I'm so excited to come to you today in 2024 and share an awesome topic with you today with my entire family. My wife Casey, we have Sierra who's the eldest, Abigail, Jonathan, David, and Hannah. Let's all just wave to everybody and say hi. No, we're so excited and we're going to come to you today with a topic on how to navigate through life storms. You know, right now there are wars, there are, there, there's political turmoil, there's, we came out of COVID and people are trying to get readjusted, you know, there's a lot of economic hardship around the world. And I just believe there's a lot of people going through difficult storms. I know many talked about how 2023 was a year that they are thankful to move on from. And whenever it's a new year, we look for new beginnings. We look for new opportunities to really encounter the Lord and let Him touch our lives and do something in and through us to refresh us and give us vision for this next year ahead. And so while I was praying the other day, I was reading from Matthew chapter 8 verses 23 through 27. And I just want to read this to you real quickly. It says, Now when he, speaking of Jesus, got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest or a storm arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the seas obey him? While I was reading that, I kept hearing the word navigate. And navigate is something you have to do on an airplane, right? Or on a ship. Or we pay attention to the GPS in our car as we're driving somewhere. And we've driven plenty places as a family over the years. But this is the acronym I got for navigate. First of all, the letter N, narrow your focus to follow Jesus. Letter A, always be reminded of God's faithfulness. Letter V, vanquish thoughts that say you are alone. I, intentionally call upon the Lord for help. G, give up your desire to live in worry. A, accept responsibility to walk by faith. T, take notice of the peace of God. And E, elevate Jesus with your new testimony. So we're going to start with my son David today. David, what does it mean to narrow your focus to follow Jesus. What comes to my mind is actually something I've been reading in my own personal time. And it's Philippians 4, 8, where it says, 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and it goes on and on about things to think about that are from above, not things on this earth. And I think that is basically the main thing of not letting our minds go in all different directions, especially during like COVID and all the wars going around around the world and that we need to keep our minds on what Jesus wants our minds to be on, not the things of the world, even though things may be hard around us, but that we need to focus on Him no matter what. That's awesome. So you're saying we need to be kingdom focused, and even though we live in this world, and the troubles and challenges and temptations are very real around us, you're saying it's possible to narrow our focus to follow Jesus despite what everybody else says, despite the challenges we might face because God's in control. That's powerful. I like that verse you brought out as well. Do you have anything? It's good. It's pretty good. I like that. Listen, let's go on to letter A. Always be reminded of God's faithfulness. Now, let me give a little background for the next person I'm going to ask. This is Sierra, and Sierra's our eldest and just moved to Japan this past year. And so there's been a lot of adjustments, but Sierra's really wanted to be a missionary in Japan since she's 14. How old are you now, Sierra? 25 years old. 25 years old, and you've had this vision for 11 years. That's a long time to carry that. So what does it mean to be always reminded of God's faithfulness? What does that mean to you? I think it means trusting that you make the best choice that you can based on scripture and what the Lord has spoken to you, but you don't always expect things are going to be perfect all the time. But at the same time, you know that God is good enough to faithfully lead you in the right direction. And you rely on that by, you know, confessing his promises and allowing yourself to grow and make mistakes and realize God's faithfulness is the thing that you rely on when things are shaking up a little bit. In a practical and personal way, how have you had to rely on God's faithfulness? Maybe in the changes of moving to another country, learning another language, working in a different culture? How has that helped you to rely on God's faithfulness? I think I've learned to not be worried about the other the opinions of people in other cultures, but to develop who I am within that culture and allow God to make me as an individual be who God has made me to be, whether that's in the workplace or as a missionary, because many times in ministry there's this idea of, you know, you do this, you do that when you're in ministry. But sometimes ministry can look artistic. Sometimes it can look more evangelistic. So I think part of relying on God's faithfulness is being the person he's made me to be instead of trying to be the image of what others put on me. Wow, it's really good. You know, there's a lot of different cultural challenges that people go through even growing up like teenagers. Maybe going from one school to another school or having a new group of friends. And, you know, when things change or shake in your life, maybe they go through some family challenges, losing a lost loved one, or maybe there's difficult things like divorce. And, you know, I, I, it, it can be different for everybody, but how would you encourage somebody who might be going through a storm right now to rely on the faithfulness of God for themselves and what you've learned personally? I think each of us reaches a point in our lives when we realize that no matter people's intentions, no one can help us in the way that God can. And I know that there's been times where I've had to fast and pray for something because I realized I was at the end of myself, at the end of human help. Mm. And that's when my breakthrough came through is when I relied on God's faithfulness and was like, okay, I'm at the end of everything else and I really just need to rely on God now. Wow, that's good. So developing your own testimony comes from understanding that God is always going to be faithful to you. 
That's awesome. Praise God. Well, we go from the oldest, we go to the youngest. And this is Hannah. Hannah, how old are you? Thirteen. Thirteen years old. Just hold it right up there. There you go. Thirteen years old. And where have you grown up your whole life? Mostly. Uh-huh. The Philippines. The Philippines. So, are you Filipino? <laughs> I'm a missionary kid. <laughs> <laughs> missionary kid. Now, we, all of these guys were born in different locations. Sarah was born in Maryland. Abby was born in Pensacola. Jonathan in Delaware. Hannah in Delaware. But the only Filipino in our family <laughs> is David. He was born here in the Philippines. So, Hannah, you grew up here. And you've gone back to the States many times. You've been to different countries like Japan and Italy. And you've experienced different cultures, languages, lots of different food. Yeah, what's your favorite place and favorite food that you've had? <laughs> Come on. Um, well, favorite place outside of home maybe america and japan okay why why japan because <laughs> <laughs> you get to see sierra but what is it about the japanese the culture the food that you really like when you're there i definitely like the food but <laughs> the church community there that we visit it's just it's always nice to see a different point of view yeah. And to see how different people have different strategies for how they have their prayer time or how they worship God. It's always nice to see like <laughs> Filipinos dancing and then, you know, Japanese sitting down and just being still. Mm. It's always cool to see the different types of prayer and worship and praise that people give and it's always cool to think that God just receives them all. So I, I want to ask you another question. In experiencing different cultures, different foods, seeing people at different times, not all the time seeing the same people, even though we live here in the Philippines, how is it difficult to vanquish thoughts that say you are alone? How is it difficult to... Get rid of those thoughts to say you're all alone. Once like you say it over yourself and you realize that the king of the universe mm. thinks that you are lovely and cherished and all of those things, it's really like, yeah, it just brings a different point of view. And how doesn't you make you feel alone like, anymore. Yeah. Because you know God is near. So maybe the beginning point of how do we vanquish these thoughts that say we're alone is reminding ourselves that the God of the universe is here and he said he's never going to leave us or forsake us. How are some practical ways that you can encourage people to remind themselves that God will, is with them, will never leave them, and that they're not alone? despite the situations what what can people do to be reminded of god's nearness well one thing i like to do is i like to just sing to him even like just singing out my emotions like not even a song maybe just like saying lord i feel this way i feel that way but i know that you are Wow. This way, like you think I am cherished, I am all those things again. Wow. And just singing to him and writing it down as well has helped me a lot. Mm. I just like to write down these things so I can look back when I like, if that feeling comes back up again, like you're like, I'm afraid or something, I'll go back and I'll remember, you know, last time I felt this, God said that I am not afraid i'm a child of god i have authority amen and that i just don't need to be afraid or any of those things 
it's it's good and and you know sometimes being when you feel alone it's very real it's very tangible you know sometimes it's hard to struggle to develop friendships and to have a good community a good church that maybe you go to but i i love what hannah's saying because she's so convinced that the lord is with her that when she sings to him you're you're actually doing what the bible says because god says he inhabits the praises of his people so if we don't know how to praise god through the storm through the loneliness then we're not going to vanquish those thoughts those thoughts are going to be like arrows stuck in us that it's going to be painful it's going to give us headaches it's going to give us anxiety and stress but when we worship the lord you know david would worship the lord in front of saul who was tormented by demons and as david worshiped the lord what happened saul would feel peace and i want to encourage you friend today whatever type of storm you're going through maybe the storm is all up here there's a tremendous storm that happens up here in our minds that unless we're washed with the water of the Word of God, unless we put the Word into practice by worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth, that means being honest with God. Not just, you know, going through emotion to do something to hopefully get you to feel better. No, it's by faith. That we approach God, that when we are worshiping the Lord, like Hannah's doing, at 13 years old, she understands that God inhabits, God provides for her, God encourages her, He uses other people, and whatever needs that she has or you have, He knows how to meet those needs. Praise God. Wow. Man, you got me all fired up now, Hannah. Praise the Lord. Well... Let's go to I. Intentionally calling upon the Lord for help. Now, this is Jonathan. Jonathan has a certain status in our family that he is the tallest member of our family. Uh, he's about six foot four, five or so, uh, but is definitely a sight to see here in the Philippines. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> Jonathan is 18 and just started college at, you can see his shirt, Messiah, and his mama is supporting his ministry today, <laughs> at Messiah University in Pennsylvania. And what are you studying, Jonathan? Civil engineering. Civil engineering. So what does a civil engineer do? A lot of things like maybe building bridges or um, uh, in the way that I want to apply it for missions work, they might even include things like water filtration systems mm -hmm. or uh, building maybe a church for some place and a lot of structure related things. So what do you want to do as an engineer? How do you see God, you know, why study that? So. I didn't really think that I was going to be like a pastor who only just shared the things from the word, um, like not just the Bible and uh -huh. things like that, but also meeting physical needs sure. along with those spiritual needs because people still need to eat and people need to have a place to, you know, to live. Yeah. So just being able to, I guess, kind of teach that to people who might not have access to education or maybe they just want to pursue that kind of skill and being able to know it on my own to go reach out to unreached people groups and support their communities build them up and then make disciples and have them be able to continue to thrive on their own instead of relying on me how has growing up in the philippines do you think given you the heart to want to meet the needs of people practically? I think first off the feeding program kids cuz um so like in Agdao there So let me let me say this. so we have a feeding program 
that some of you may or may not know, where we feed 120 kids uh, Monday through Friday, and we've done this for over 17 years now. So that's what he's referring to. Yeah. So, yeah, they live in very run-down houses, and they're on the beach side because they don't have running water and things like that. So just being able, like, that kind of exposure gave a kind of a compassion for people in that scenario, but also seeing people like our Pastor Armand, who's doing all kinds of, like, uh, research for growing things in your own house so yeah. that people don't have to rely on the big supermarkets and other people that they can be somewhat self-sufficient and then the gospel spreads through possibly you know being a giver of the things that you grow in your own house and wow. so pe people inspiring me like that just uh that constant flow of i don't know just excitement and yeah yeah so you, you've seen a lot on the mission field you've seen how people have struggled but then you've also seen people meet those needs and you're thinking well if they could do that i can do that god can use me to do that and i love how that is developing in each one of you kids how god has developed such a unique love compassion heart for people we're going to get back into this in a minute because i believe this is something you're going to really speak into but how do we preach the gospel through meeting needs? Well, I mean, one of the things that Jesus did was he, he fed 5,000 people. And that it's uh, like the fact that it's a miracle is already amazing enough. But he was meeting people's needs so that they wouldn't be forced to leave. Yeah. He was giving them an opportunity to stay and hear more of the word of God without mm -hmm. being like, oh, you got to leave now and come back later try and catch me later so he was mm -hmm. meeting physical needs so that people could get their minds off of the world mm -hmm. and focus on what he was trying to say to them in that moment because yeah. he had important things for them to hear did jesus have a feeding program yes <laughs> well, what was it that jesus did he fed five thousand people at one point he fed four thousand people at another point and he fed his own disciples yeah. and right which some people even say it's probably more like 15,000 people that he may have fed because it says that that was men. But those men have women and children. And he took just some fish, some loaves of bread, and then ends up feeding all these thousands of people. You know, I was thinking the other day, if we feed 120 kids every week, every year, that's thousands and thousands and thousands of meals right but jesus in one setting fed close to fifteen thousand at one time which is incredibly miraculous and so we don't need to limit god when we have a heart to want to practically do something to help others i, I you know you may be listening right now and as a as a pastor, as a missionary, as someone in the ministry, maybe you're working with helping people come out of addictions, or maybe you're, you know, in a situation where you're working amongst very poverty stricken areas, or what have you. The fact is that God put on your heart to want to go minister to those people, and He has a way of getting. To a, a way to you to help meet those needs for other people. Don't limit God, my friend. Yeah. I want to encourage you not to do that. I mean, we could tell you at least three of these guys are in college or have graduated and have all received scholarships. And that was not something we were going to be able to pay for, you know, as, as living as missionaries in the Philippines. But yet, God has it. And we've been meeting the needs of other people for years. So we've been here for 20 years in the Philippines, now 21. This January is 21 years. That's incredible. As, as long as Abby is, which we'll get to her next because she's 21. But it's, it's amazing that God could take anybody 
and use them to meet practical needs so that those people who you might never had in your heart or your mind had a desire or a vision to help them. You do have a vision. You do have a desire to help other people. You may not know where, when, and how, but you're taking the steps necessary so that despite the storms that you might be feeling with internally or around you, God, you know, is preparing you for what's next. So that leads us to I, intentionally calling upon the Lord for help. How have you had to do that, Jonathan? Um, I guess it kind of, because even being in the house, there wasn't a whole lot I guess I needed help for. When you were at home. At, when I was at home, yeah. yep. So, uh, and also being the tallest, you know, I can do a lot of things that maybe <laughs> other people are asking me help for so <laughs> i i guess sure. naturally i just i it kind of took me a little bit to learn how to ask for help and then getting to college was when it was like okay you need to know how to ask for help because mm -hmm. i guess just a practical example when i'm getting ready for my math exams if i if I'm not, you know, studying at home and asking questions about the homework, I'm not going to be ready for the final exam at all. So yeah. asking for help in between before it's too late and then uh, you're given opportunities, but then like applying it to spiritual. If I isolate myself because like at college, it's easy to kind of do a pity party. I'm all alone. And in my case, I'm 8,000 miles from home. Right. So, or, cause this is home for me. The Philippines is home. We were raised here. So, um, yeah, I'm like, if so far from home, nobody understands me and stuff like that. Culture but, shock. Yeah, yeah. Culture shock and people just not being the way I expected them to be. And, um, yeah, asking for help from, you know, other people is one thing, but asking for help from God is another because God is, he sees your heart and he knows yeah. what you need before you ask. Whereas with people, they don't know anything. Right. <laughs> Not necessarily. Which is another reason why we might need to let people know we need their help <laughs> because they can't read our minds. They're not omniscient, right? All knowing. They're not omnipresent. They're not everywhere. And like you're saying you could be in your dorm room with three other guys and then your class you're with the engineers but still feel lonely and still feel like what's going on and there's been an adjustment you've been at college for one semester you guys are going back tomorrow to the states which we're sad about but we know that you have under your belt one semester Abby's about to graduate December next year. Sierra's graduated in, in a new season. It's like taking steps of faith. So along the way, you learn how to cry out for help. Like when you were not six foot four and you were, you know, just maybe six inches, <laughs> you were crying out for help. You know, feed me, clothe me, take care of me, change my diaper, you know. Things like that. But then, eventually, you learned how to drive. You know, you learn how to, well, you learn how to crawl first and then walk and, you know, cause trouble around the house and things like that. And then we helped you cry out for help at different times. But then, now, those things that you used to do, you have grown, you have matured. And so, walking by faith is not always this mysterious thing as much as we make it to sound if we're in it for for long term like if we're seeing that god knows how to get us from a to z but he's going to take us from a to b to c to d you know not taking shortcuts then as you're intentionally calling upon the lord in whatever season of life that you're in and you see him come, it builds your confidence. And we see confidence growing in you guys. I don't believe the Bible wants us to have pride, but I believe God wants us to be confident. 
And a lot of people don't know how to be confident because they confuse it with pride. Where None of us here, I think, wants to be in competition with the Lord, right? No. He's God. We're not. <laughs> Good revelation to have. But yet, when He lives in you, you can be confident that He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will be with you always. That He will guide you. Right? As a deer pants for the water. My soul longs after you because I've tasted and seen of the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Do you have anything else you want to add, Jonathan? I guess as far as I think that first word intentionally calling out for help. If I mean, you can wait till you're like at your lowest or you can catch it at the root and catch it at where it starts. And that takes intentionality and purpose you have mm. to have. Because, I mean, if I, for example, if I were to do something wrong and I just come to you and I'm like, oh, I did something wrong and I just brush it off, I'm not going to, there's no repentance in my heart. Whereas if I come with like a repentant heart, I'm going to take action. And that's what intentionality is all about, taking an action as as soon as possible taking initiative being first yeah and so when you're intentionally asking for help you're doing it quickly you get to it you don't wait till it's festering and you know it just starts growing because yeah. then it's just there's too much of it and then you're like what do i do now i'm so messed up mm. so and it's not just with sin it could just be with something as simple as for me doing math or mm -hmm. doing some school related project if i you know i might not ask for human help i'll be like lord help me out you created everything you created the laws of physics you created math so yeah. help me <laughs> so you like math i do yeah david how about you do you like math um depends on what the <laughs> lesson is if you get to count money right that's what so yeah <laughs> praise god <laughs> That's awesome. Well, awesome. Do you, do you have something to add to it? Let's, we'll Go get to it. me. We'll get to well, me. We've got plenty of time. Okay. Well, I'm going to add one little thing. You know, I, I think it's interesting. We are in a generation in a season where young people, if they're going after God, sometimes they do feel like as if they're only the only one. Hmm. Almost like an Elijah generation or what? It's not Elijah. Who was the one? Yeah, Elijah. it is Elijah. Oh. Elijah. I'm the only one, you know? Um, there's this feeling and this this is an Elijah generation that um, Jesus said or the Bible says would come before the Messiah returns there's an Elijah generation something goes with Elijah and that is that you stand out so much that you don't fit into the world and when those kids don't fit into the world it's okay like Elijah to call out and say I'm the only one and let mm. the father respond by saying no actually I've reserved for myself five young people in the Philippines. I've reserved for myself, and I could mention names and people that we know all over the world, in Japan and mm -hmm. Italy and the United States, all over the, here in the Philippines. The Lord is reserving for himself a generation. And if you feel like you're yeah. the only one, I just want you to know you're not the only one. And the Lord is with you, but he also has reserved for himself a generation of those who stand out. They feel different because they are different. And that's, that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. Wow. Jeremiah 33.3, that's God's phone number, somebody said once, says, Call to me. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and marvelous things that you don't know. Call to me. So we got to be intentional about that, right? We got to be intentional about saying, Lord, I need your help. So no matter what you're going through right now, just stop, you know, pause this, you know, podcast, YouTube, radio, whatever, however you're listening to this and just stop and say, Lord, speak to my heart and change my life. Pour out your heart like water to God and just tell the Lord, I need to hear from you. You know, there's a lot of words we're sharing today, but if you get one word from God, that's going to stick with you for eternity. And I believe everything that everybody's saying here is extremely valuable. But the ultimate goal is to say, Lord, what are you saying to me? Am I pausing? Am I stilling myself enough to cry out to you for help by saying, speak to me? 
I need to hear from you because God wants to speak to you, friend. I believe he already is. Praise God. Thank you, Jonathan, for that. Letter G, give up your desire to live in worry. So this is Abigail, and Abigail is going to school or has been going to school in Central Florida and kind of switched doing uh, it online now. But Abby, how have you had to give up on your desire to live in worry? So one of the things that I've had to learn over the past couple of years of, you know, COVID and being in the States and culture shocking college and all the stress that kind of comes with that is that there's always going to be a reason to worry. Mm. There's always, you're always going to have a reason. You mm. can worry about finances or friendships mm. or family or there are so many things to worry about. There are many options in yeah. the catalog. <laughs> and um, one of my biggest worries was you guys being in the Philippines while I was in the States because there was so much there's <laughs> again there's always something to worry about but like earthquakes terrorism this thing that thing blah 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 and I remember one night I was sitting in my car and I was just praying and I was like Lord I'm just crying and frustrated and I was like Lord what am I gonna do about my family blah 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 and it was like the Lord just stopped me and went hey hello just kind of knocking on the door I was like hey you do know that i'm going to take care of your family right <laughs> and it was just kind of like a a light bulb moment for me of realizing and there is no better way to take care of my family than to leave them in the hands of jesus yeah. and so when it comes to giving up your desire to worry i think it's something that we kind of need to work through as you know, there's a curse of sin that's on this world, right? Yeah. But we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So because we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, I think the way to get rid of the desire or the this like um, pressing worry that comes at you over and over is to remind yourself of the blood of Jesus that covers you. Because unless you are covered by, by the blood of Jesus, you are going to have a reason to worry mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily that the worry just kind of dissipates and just kind of goes away and it just you can just pray it away it's not like that it's that your reassurance of the goodness of god is so much greater mm. that the worry becomes so small that's good that in your mind and in your heart it doesn't sit on the throne anymore and what yeah. you're doing is you're removing this worry from the throne and you're putting jesus on the throne yeah. so not necessarily that you're not going to worry or that you're not going to feel fear or you're not going to feel things you're going to feel things all the time but remind yourself of who deserves to sit on the throne and certainly not your worry because mm. the more that you feed something and the more that you it's it's like if you know you have a real king you know the more that you give resources and attention to this king or to this president the more that they get hold of this power so anything that you give power to is going to continue to reign in your heart and increase their power in your heart yeah. so give all the authority give all of mm. the permission to jesus to rule in your heart so good. and give him such priority that the worries don't even they don't even matter to you anymore wow what is it that you're studying in college right now so people can know uh humanitarian compassion so it's like disaster relief um a lot of helping people it's a lot of practical ministry application kind of like what jonathan's doing only mm -hmm. he's the one who's going to build the bridge and i'm the one who's going to fund it <laughs> 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 so i'm probably going to encounter him quite a bit hey buddy you need some money <laughs> i got you <laughs> so yeah so if people live in worry, stress, anxiety, and fear, how is that going to keep them from helping to help others? You cannot give from an empty cup. Yeah. So if you are expecting to pour out much, you have to let the Lord fill you. Because I used to work at a library, and I tell you, people will test your patience there. And you can love people so much. You can love people, and it can be a very natural part of who you are. But I'm telling you, if you if you have an empty cup and you try to give that to somebody who's thirsty, 
you're just you're both going to be thirsty yeah and then you're just giving into each other's thirstiness mm-hmm. <laughs> if i can yeah. use that yeah. weird word but you're just going to keep giving into each other's thirstiness instead of going to the source of where you need to be which is in the presence of god so if you really want to minister to people and you see people that are hurting so much and there's so many people who are suffering in this world you look Mm. at all the things that have happened and all the things that look like they're about to happen like i think about israel and the war that's going on there and this whole conflict that's happening and how many innocent people have been killed and have been hurt throughout this whole issue and i just think about like oh my goodness like my heart aches for these people but then you think about the king of the universe has enough resources and supplies that's right to fill your heart to give to other people and so it's this constant transaction between well i don't know if transaction is the word i want to look use but Mm -hmm. it's like a waterfall Mm -hmm. it's like a waterfall of you you're just getting it here here just you receive it pour it out receive pour it out receive pour it out um that's kind of a long answer but no it's really good (laughs) it's really good because jesus said don't worry about tomorrow let tomorrow worry about itself and literally worries just like you know you get something stuck in your eye and you can't see clearly everything around you but it's this little little thing that causes your entire vision to be disrupted that's what worry is like it it affects our ability to see the bigger picture to see the needs you know jesus said love the lord your god with all of your heart mind soul and strength then love your neighbor as you love yourself if we're not we can't love god if we're living in worry Hmm. and you say well what does love have to do with worry well worry is not trusting god by faith and it's not loving him to the point of saying I completely trust you. I put everything in your hands. I'm not going to allow this situation or pain, discomfort, suffering to disrupt my understanding of who you said that you are to me. So that when I see clearly, then I am able to see what you see in other people around me. I remember being in college um before brownsville school ministry when i was playing basketball and i was going to church and i was you know trying to be a good christian but you know have all this sin in my life and i was listening to all this keith green music you guys have heard of keith green right (laughs) these guys have if you don't know who keith green is you need to go check him up on youtube it's a little older style music but it'll grip your heart And I'm listening to this music by myself in the apartment. And I blurted out this prayer. And it was, God, I want to see what you see. I want to hear what you hear. I want to feel what you feel. Taste what you taste. Smell what you smell. Think what you think. And it just just came out of me like that. And I'm sure other people have prayed a prayer like that at different times. But when I prayed that, I was saying to the Lord... I am coming to the end. And even though it would still be some more years before the Lord radically set me free, I believe I was so sick and tired of being in a relationship with worry and anxiety. And now the Lord set us free and we are concerned that other people not be bound by worry. We don't want these families, these children, right? These these kids in garbage dumps, orphans and widows and, you know, young girls traffic, things like that. We don't want that to happen anymore. There's There's been that transaction that has taken place in our hearts, which now we see that taking place in your hearts. And that's not something we wanted to force or make happen in you guys we really wanted it to be authentic in you we really wanted you to hear from god for yourself because if you just do what we say to do all the time after a while it's going to get old and then when you don't have your own testimonies and you're talking about brownsville revival testimonies and you never were at the brownsville revival or didn't really understand what was going on because that wasn't your time and season 
then you're going to think, oh, God only moved at certain times in other people's lives. But yet when it becomes personal to us and we say, Lord, change my heart, remove this worry out of my life, then faith comes and it rises. And yes, there'll be a tug of war. Yes, we'll be stretched like rubber bands. But for what purpose? Of God developing in you and I a heart of compassion. A heart of passion for the lost. That we would say we want to populate heaven and, and depopulate hell. We want to see God change the lives of people. We want to see souls saved, bodies healed, right? Marriages, families restored. This is what takes place. Friend, he wants to do this for you. He really does. You have a powerful calling upon your life. And just as Abby's talking about this change that has taken place in her life, we had an incredible conversation when I was back in the States in the car one day, and she was just pouring out her heart of all these details of things that she had been working through that she released to the Lord. And I saw this breakthrough over her head. And I know last time this year, you didn't even want to get on a plane to go back to the States. You wanted to stay here. And I'm sure as much as you would be willing to stay here right now, you still know that God was with you back then. He stretched you. You're going to go back. You're going to go finish what the Lord has begun in you. And then we're going to see God open up tremendous doors. I have no doubt whatsoever that the same God that we have, that Sierra has, you have. Yeah. And that's going to go down the line to each one of these guys. Amen. Do you have anything else you want to share, Abby? I do, actually. Kind of going off of what you were just talking about with the, you know, a year ago, like, yeah, I didn't want to go back to the States. There was nothing in me that desired to do that. And I think the biggest transformation that changed everything. I still don't want to like leave sure. my family. There's of nothing course. fun about saying goodbye to your family and knowing that you can't just drive to them. Right. If I were to drive to you guys, my car would sink. <laughs> so I can't do that. It's a little unfortunate. Honda has a lot of miles anyhow, so. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't work out. But the one thing that um, made a huge difference was um, realizing that, so two things. Community is huge in yes. helping you get rid of worry because I, I've, I've heard preachers and pastors say, just don't worry. And you're like, wow, thanks. That helped a lot. That, wow, my worry is cured. Thank you. Abracadabra. Wow, hurrah. Thank you. Um, it's not just don't worry. It's bear one another's burdens. Yes. So if you don't have a good church community you need to find one yeah i'm serious and uh, you know i'm speaking to an american audience here uh, specifically right now with what i'm about to say but i know that the church in america is struggling a little bit and i say that respectfully and i know people who are on fire for the lord who love jesus i could name a few people who i know personally are cultivating this beautiful relationship with the lord and it just overflows from them onto me and i'm like I'll receive that. Thank you very much. Um, but you need to be with that community. Because if you're not with that community, how, you can't put your burdens on someone. Again, we're going back to the empty cup thing. Mm. You can't put your burdens on somebody who's not giving them to the Lord, Amen. if that makes sense. So get with the good community and make the Lord your soul best friend the person that you talk to about everything i have a very dear friend she is just an incredible wonderful person i love her so much and i talk to her about a lot of things she listens and it's great it's wonderful but her company cannot be more valuable or important than the company of the lord yeah. because you need to be content regardless of where you are at and right now i have none of no people that are like close friends around me where i'm currently living i don't have any close friends that are my age so it's different but i still go and talk to the lord every day and i still spend time with him and i am full every time i go and spend time with him i don't have to worry that i'm overwhelming him or that he doesn't have time for me because he always does so get with a solid community if you want to deal with your worry 
and give your worries to God if you want to deal with your worry. So good. <laughs> Let's get into the next one here. We're running out of time here. But um, A, accept responsibility to walk by faith. Casey, as you're hearing your, your little sheep um, <laughs> share their hearts, what does it mean to accept responsibility to walk by faith? You know, sometimes we have these catchphrases and catchwords and we don't know how to define them, you know, but the scriptures tell us that um, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So before you can even have faith, you have to have hope. So what is hope? It's a picture of what it should look like that it doesn't look like now. It's the way God wants it to be and that where he's taking you to that you're not at yet. So where do you get that? The Bible also tells us that Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So walking by faith starts with soaking up what God says. I think Hannah referred to this earlier, but waking up in the morning and thinking first, what does God say about this day? What does God say about me? What does God say about himself? What does God say about the people around me? Because I know I'm not the only one who for many years would wake up in the morning and feel like a wave would hit me of every negative possible thing, everything I had done wrong, every, everybody else had done wrong, what might go wrong today, whatever else it was. And when those things hit you, you can get into this, um, you know, I'm gonna pray through it and all of that, which is great too, but sometimes it's just a matter of shifting focus. Like, wait yeah. a second, this is really not God's reality. And God's reality looks like this because the word says this. And so that is the beginning of believing God. You can't believe God for something you don't know what it is. So what is it supposed to look like? Well, we find that in his word. And so walking by faith begins with not trying to work something up, not trying mm -hmm. to make something happen or make yourself super spiritual. But it begins with simply sitting before the Lord and as a young mom, I remember sitting before the Lord always used to be a, a kind of a catchphrase that would scare me because sitting was never an option unless I was on the toilet. It just was not something I, I could do. But when I say sitting with the Lord, it's more of a spiritual sitting. I'm not saying quiet yourself as in lock your kids out of the room. I'm saying quiet yourself as in it's internal, right? So you're <laughs> internally quieting yourself, whatever's around you. Hmm. And just, what is God saying? I'm gonna say that. What is That's God good. thinking? I'm gonna sing that. I'm gonna speak that. I'm gonna believe that. And so you convince yourself of what God says because if he created the world by speaking out, let it be, and he's given us his authority, we in the same way could create worlds and atmospheres and ecosystems, as we said earlier, by the way that we speak, we can create ecosystems around us of faith. So the more I say what God says, I'm actually teaching myself. And you know, I've heard that, um, I don't know Hebrew well enough to say this, but I've heard from Hebrew scholars that we say when we know something really well, we memorize it, that we know it by heart. But in mm. Hebrew, you say, I know it by mouth. And that's mm. actually got that from Derek Prince, who was a Hebrew yeah. scholar. But to know it by mouth means I literally know what I'm supposed to know by looking at it in the word. And I say it to myself enough to where it gets inside of me and I literally soak it, becomes part of me. So I'm like, like eating it almost like Jeremiah, like eat the scroll, you know, mm. I'm eating it. It's becoming my food. And Jesus said that too, right? That you shouldn't live off anything else, not bread, not anything of this world, but by every word that God speaks. So it's literally, I'm eating what he says in the morning. It's my breakfast, it's my lunch, it's my dinner. And that is what produces faith. Faith is not something I make up by ignoring my issues or by ignoring the things around me. It's something that I literally receive because I'm listening to what God says. Hmm. You know, while you're talking, I was reminded of Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yeah. You know, that, that is actually a posture of faith. It's when, when we admit not everything that we can do, but what we can't do, and that we need God's help to intervene, we are leaning into Him. That's faith. That's trust. That's saying, I can't change my situation, but you can. And so as I pour out my heart to you, then this darkness that seems so dark actually light begins to invade and light begins to change the atmosphere and help me 
to see what you see mm -hmm. helps me to walk in freedom and at peace. We just have a few minutes left here, and we got two more. I'm going to do this last, this number seven, uh, take notice of the peace of God, and then we'll do the last one together. Take notice of the people of God. We're going through the acronym of the word navigate, and I'm sure we'll probably show it up on the screen or different things like that. But take notice of the peace of God. One of the most difficult things, I think, for people to understand is that peace is not just a characteristic of God. It is His nature. He is peace. The Bible says He is the Prince of Peace. And so, here's Jesus sleeping in the boat. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He is not worried about anything. And he goes, sleep. I, I almost wonder if Jesus was sleeping so hard that he was maybe snoring and just shaking the boat. And people are like, wow, he's in a deep sleep. You know, I mean, well, the Bible doesn't say that. But what I'm trying to say is that there was not an inch of anxiety, stress, fear, worry, doubt in Jesus' heart. And while he is in a deep sleep there, a storm comes. Disciples are freaking out. They're like, what is happening? You've worked miracles. You've healed the sick. We're going to die because <laughs> we don't know if you can change this. And that's how we are with a lot of different situations, right? Uh, we, we, we deal with something, we get through it, and we go, oh, praise God, we got through that. And then God doesn't bring the same situation anymore because you passed that level. <laughs> and now he allows something else, not intentionally, but because he knows what he's going to get out of you is ultimately going to be his peace that he's trying to put into you. Mm. And as it enters into you, and this is what he did. He stands up. He says, probably gets the sleep out of his eyes and says, wind, waves, stop. Right? And then, boom, complete peace. And the disciples are like, he did it again. You know, what, what happened? How does this guy do that? Listen, friend, I want to encourage you. Talk to the Lord, the Prince of Peace. Ask him to come into your situation because he really desires to do that. Let's get into the last one. We got just a little over a minute. E, elevate Jesus with your new testimony. David, we kind of got through you pretty quickly. So how can we elevate Jesus with a testimony of him bringing us through the storm to the other side? I think... Um Actually, this is something this morning that I was getting today about how Jesus is worthy to be talked about and how we can share to people and make our conversations more than just about um, the things that have happened throughout our day or what our friends haven't seen and just social talking. But more than that, just talking about Jesus and who he is and what he's done in your life and I think that's one of the great things that I've grown up and I know we've all grown up with the rest of the missionary kids and being able and our pastor's kids we've been able to just like talk about more than just social talking but about what God has done in our individual lives and how he is literally the best being in all of everything yeah. But I think that is probably the best way, like the testimony of your life is how you can elevate Jesus. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Perfect timing. We've got just 15 seconds. And so we want to close by saying thank you guys for doing this podcast, this YouTube radio program today. So proud of all of you. You know, my, your mom and I are just amazed at what God's doing in your lives. So thank you all our listeners. We love you. And we hope that this has blessed you. And we look forward to being with you next week. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.